Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Why don't we go to 1 John chapter 5 tonight? We are in a series uh, on the subject of answered prayer. And so we're going to continue on talking about that tonight. And, um, you know, I, uh, I want to talk about this tonight, how our prayers need to be word-based. So you call this answered prayer word-based. We need to be based in the Word. So let's go here to 1 John. How many like answered prayer? Yeah. Amen. You know, it's possible Jesus said it was, didn't He? John, we read that scripture in John 16, yeah, you know, and talked about how Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. Well, praise God. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Thank God for answered prayer. Amen. All right. Let's, we're going to talk about word-based. Everybody say word-based. What does that mean? Our prayers need to be based on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, John chapters, uh, chap, 1 John, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 14 says, And um, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, the word confidence there, you know, it's, it's even stronger than the word faith. We're just jumping right in. Are you ready? It's even stronger than the word faith. It actually means a, a boldness. There's like a bold faith that we can have in Him that when we ask anything according to His will, what, what's His will? His word's His will, right? This is the revealed will of God. So if we ask anything according to His will or His word, He hears us. Now listen to this. This is important. Don't miss this now. And if we know that He hears us, if we know it, say, if I know it, if I know know that He hears me, whatever I ask, I know I have the petitions that I have desired of Him. But how many part of prayer is you got to know He heard you? Because that's the confidence, that's the boldness, see? And how do you know He heard you? Well, if we ask anything according to His Word, we can have bold faith He heard us. Because it's according to His Word. And so I want to talk about this a little bit tonight and kind of, you know, uh, challenge us a little bit that we don't get caught up in our our feelings or anything else, but we we get our boldness from the Word. Has anybody ever prayed before? And Have you ever prayed before and you felt God's presence? Have you? I have. Isn't that wonderful? Have you ever prayed before and you didn't feel God's presence? I have to. And, you know, that's not wonderful. But it still doesn't mean, what God, you know, sometimes, and I've probably done it myself, you know, you feel God's presence, but I know God heard that. Well, that doesn't mean God heard that. Well, it means, he, what, you know, listen, you can get your feelings stirred up, you know, over things that aren't even, you know, biblical or scriptural or anything else. I mean, you know, anything spiritual, you can get your feelings stirred up. I mean, what if, what if I said to you that I'm going to give you $1,000? Anybody excited? What if I say now I change my mind? See, two sets of feelings right there in a matter of seconds. So you can't, I mean, you know, you can't base your life on feelings, right? You got to base your life on the Word. And so, you know, I've heard that. Well, I, man, I, I felt the presence of God and I know God heard me. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the presence of God. But that's not the sign. I don't want to put my faith in that. I'm going to put my faith in what He said. Amen. Because that's, 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 what, that's what produces boldness. Amen. Not some kind of... See, sometimes people get caught up in things and, uh, you know, 
and, and they, they, miss, they miss the fact that it's the Word that persuades people. It's what, it's what persuades you. You remember that story? There's a story in, in Luke where there was a rich man and there was a beggar and the rich man died and he went to hell and the beggar, he went to Abraham's bosom. And then that rich man's in hell and he looks over there and he sees uh, Lazarus, the poor man in Abraham's bosom with it, Father Abraham. And he says, Father Abraham, have Lazarus, you know, you know dip his fingers in, in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in his flame. And, uh, you know, Abraham says, well, son, you remember in your lifetime you had good things, Lazarus had evil things, and now he's comforted and you're tormented. And it wasn't because he had good things. God, it, you know, th that's, not, that's not a saying, saying if you're rich, you're going to hell. He just didn't know the Lord. He didn't serve the Lord. And he said, would you, and, and, and the, you know, Abraham said, well, I can't, we can't do that. He said, well, then at least have him go back and tell my brothers, I got five brothers, and warn them that they don't come here. He said, because if someone rises from the dead and goes and tells them, they'll believe. And I like what Abraham said. Abraham said, son, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. Let them hear them. If they don't hear them, they won't be persuaded because somebody rose from the dead. It's only God's word has the power of persuasion in our lives. Not some kind of feeling, not some kind of you know, some kind of supernatural manifestations. Thank God for those things. Thank God for feelings, the good feelings. I like good feelings better than bad feelings. But th those, aren't, those aren't the things that determine whether God heard you. It's His Word. You know, your, your senses can mess you up. You know, I've told you many times over and over and over again the story about me going into that three-dimensional theater and we're doing things on that screen. And one of the things we were doing was on a roller coaster, you know, and it's screaming around this corner. And I'm on a level floor just like this here. There's a bar there, a metal bar that's cemented into the floor. And all of a sudden, I've got two guys with me and, and one's on one side, one's on the other, and I'm in the middle. Next thing you know, we're all three leaning like this because we're going into a corner and we're not going anywhere. But our, but our senses got tricked. Now there's something that, you know, I call it, you know, uh, pilot uh, ver vertigo. It's got a specific more, you know, name. It's a more scientific name, but I don't, I don't know scientific names. I, I just, you know, aspirin's got a scientific name, but I don't say, hey, give me whatever the scientific name. Just give me an aspirin. Everything's got a scientific name. But it's got a scientific name, and, and it literally what happens is a pilot, especially one that's just you know, visual pilot, he's not, he's not uh, IFR, he's not instrument rated. He can fly into the clouds or he could be out on a really dark night and he gets disoriented and he starts turning the plane and he doesn't realize he's doing it because he has any visual, to, he had anything to look at. You know, if it's daylight out, he can see, but when the clouds, he can't see. And he can get the plane like that. They, they can even get them upside down and they don't know it because their senses are telling them you're right side up. But when they look at the gauges, the gauges say you're upside down. But they can get so disoriented, and this can be so powerful, that they, they assume the gauges are off because my body's telling me I'm, I'm right side up. My senses are telling me this. And I can't, the gauges must be off. No, the gauges are on. you got to learn to fly by the gauges. See, and that, you know, somebody that's trained to fly by instruments, they're not susceptible to that because they're learned to trust the instruments. But this guy that's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't fly by the instruments. He just flies by what he sees. When he can't see any landmarks, he can get the plane upside down. He doesn't even know it. And the next thing you know, he's crashed the thing because he's upside down. 
When he does realize he's upside down, it's usually he may be too late. And so, you know, and, and his senses, his, his senses are telling him, you're okay, but the gauges are saying, you're not okay. Well, I've had times the senses tell me I'm not okay, but the gauge told me I'm okay. You got to believe the gauge. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, maybe I prayed and I don't, it, it felt like dry as toast. That doesn't mean anything. The gauge said, I ask according to his will, I've got it. Isn't that what the Bible said? If we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. And if he hears us, if we know, so you've got to know he heard you. If you know he heard you, you've got the petition. you got it. It's on its way. Hallelujah. Now, once you get that, don't go back to flying by, the, by what you see. Fly by the gauge. Does that make sense to you? You've got to learn to fly by the gauge. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about prayer, prayer being word-based. You've got to find out what the word says about what you're asking. Right? You know, people ask for things that, the, I mean, the Bible, if the Bible doesn't promise it, you, you, you know, you can't believe for that. Not really. Not Bible faith. Amen? You know, like, people get really goofy, you know what I'm saying? Well, I just feel like the Lord wants me to believe for this or believe for that. Well, what does the Bible say about it? Right? I, I've even heard incidents, incidents of people believing for another mate and they're married. I mean, you, you need some help, right? I mean, I, I know a preacher, really, he's in heaven now, but I know a preacher, a guy actually got in his prayer line, and he said this to him. He said, uh, I want you to agree with me that God will give me another wife. Well, that's totally different than God will get me a wife. Get your wife means you don't have one. Get me another one. I got one. I don't want her. I want to trade her off. So he interrogates it. <laughs> he says, another wife? He said, yeah. He said, my, 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 her hips are too big. He said to this guy, he said, how many children has your wife had? He said, six. He said, pass six kids through your hips and see how big they are. Get out of my line. You're a nut. <laughs> now, that's extreme. But there's plenty of extreme people out there like that in the body of Christ. I've ran into them. And see, we have to understand that that's unscriptural, right? That's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. God wants you to be blessed with the wife of your youth. Hallelujah. Let, let her be satisfied. You're just lucky somebody will have you. Amen. You know what I'm saying. People, sometimes guys especially, they get a little older and they begin to think they, they got it again and never did have it to start with. Why is it? You know what I'm, I mean, my, 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 my parents, my, my dad especially, he kind of went through that a little bit. You know, when he got a little older, he started buying sports cars. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm a kid, I'm a teenager, and you want to borrow the family car, you know, you got a Chrysler or something, four-door doggy-looking thing. They'd run in those days because they all had big motors. So you could, you could kick them down. and you, know, the, you, don't, you didn't have to go around the corner in those days to get the tires to squeal. You could just punch it, man. It'd smoke them. Amen, because they had like four, 400 horsepower motors in them and stuff like that. You know? and so, but, when, but once all of the kids got out of, you know, I have two, uh, three siblings. I got an older brother, a little bit older sister, and I got a younger brother. When all of us siblings got out of the house, Dad brought, bought a bright red Camaro. Yeah, 
It was a cool car. And I asked him, I said, why did you buy that when we were here? He said, because you were here. <laughs> he was pretty smart, wasn't he? Uh, he drove old beaters that we wouldn't want to drive, you know what I'm saying? When we got out there, he buys a cool car, you know. But anyway, but, but, but how many know there, you, have to ba- you have to base your prayer life on the Word of God? You can't base your prayer life on your feelings. You can't, you can't determine whether God heard you by whether you feel like it or you don't feel like it. Because sometimes you don't feel like it. And you can't, you can't base it on whether you see any instant manifestation or anything changing immediately. Sometimes things don't change immediately, just like what Dustin was talking about. That was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a really good offering message. You can't base it on that because you, you, you don't know what's coming down the pike, man. You don't know what God's working on, what He's bringing together. And sometimes when God has to bring things to you, sometimes, you know, I know He's God, but sometimes He's, he's working with people. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get things in line and get them to you, praise God. But, but He gets it there. Hallelujah. And sometimes we got to change a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So, so you have to understand, when we're talking word-based, we're talking about you base your prayers on the Word of God. You don't base your prayers on your feelings. You don't base your prayers on, on your own desires. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You base your prayers on what the Word says. Right? I know the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart, but that says if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires are going to be godly. They're going to be right. You're not going to want things that are wrong. Amen. You're not going to ask God for things that, you know, people just got really goofy years back, you know, and ask God, give me, you know, give me, give me 10 million oil wells or 10,000 oil wells or something like that. You wouldn't even know what to do with one of them. Why would God give you? T- Come on, tell me somebody. You got people wanting God to give them $5 million and they don't even tie off $5. It's not happening. Amen. Well, all right. So we have to base our, we have to base our, our prayer life off the Word. Everybody say the word. the word. So that's what causes us, once again, this is the confidence. Or the, in, in verse 14, this is the confidence. Or literally you could put the bold faith. This is what gives us bold faith is knowing that God said, I know God said it's His will to heal me. So I can come with, with bold faith. I don't have to, you know, you know, someone said to me one time, they said, well, I just believe you gotta, you got to pray and find out the will of God for your healing. If it's His will, He'll heal you. If it's not, so you just got to find out. Well, let me know that's not true. God's already gave us His will. We don't have to go ask Him His will about that. We already know what His will said. He said, he said by, my, by, by His stripes you're healed. Isn't that right? So I don't have to, listen, I know there's churches that don't believe that, but I'm sorry. I'm just going to stick with the Bible. How about you? I know there's believers that don't believe, believe believers that don't believe that if they're unbelieving believers. You know what I'm saying? That kind of sounds like an oxymoron. That believers that don't believe that believers are supposed to do what? Believe. Yeah, that's why you're a believer, right? right? Dogs bark because they're a dog, right? right? All right. So, so we understand then. Now let's go to Mark chapter two or chapter four. Go there, Mark chapter four, because I want to look at a scripture there. Yeah, this is Mark's favorite book. Jackie's tried to tell him he didn't write it, but he's got some kind of delusional thinking that he wrote this book. And somehow Mark forgets there are other Marks in the world. I happen to be a Mark. Yeah, yeah, we stick together. That's right. Marks stay together. Hey, Dr. Barclay's a Mark. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, now in, in Mark chapter 4... <laughs> I just thought if Mark was the pastor, what it'd be like in this church. 
somebody for the tape CD said, oh, Lord. Everybody be driving a Ford pickup. We'd sing one way Jesus every song, every service, and he'd preach out of the gospel of Mark every service. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, you there? Verse 20. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, notice this, and receive it. You know, it's one thing to hear it, but you have to receive it. You have to accept it, keep it. Uh, and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So, so the fruit, the fruit's predicated on the word that you receive, see. In other words, the more words you incorporate in your prayer life, the more fruits you're going to have. See, the more you find out what God said, the more fruitful it can be. Jesus said it in John. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it will be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. But it's about you abiding in him and the word, the word, the word abiding in you. See? See, when the word abides in you, how many know it's going to enhance your prayer life? It brings intelligence to your prayer life. It brings illumination to your prayer life. The entrance of his word brings light. Because people pray about things, you know. There's times that, you know, we pray about things sometimes we don't even need to pray about. God's already given us an answer on it, you know. Amen. And the answer is no. You no. Know. No. <laughs> or it could be yes. You know, there's things that, you know, that people pray about, you know. God be with me. I don't pray God be with me. I already said he was with me. Now, there's times I take a trip, I'll say, thank you, we're going to the other side. Because Jesus said that, right? That means I'm going to the other side. I'm, I'm completing this trip. But I'm not begging God be with me, God be with me. Why? He said he'd be with me. I'm not going to call him a liar. He said he would. So I'm not going to say that. I don't pray that. I don't pray those things, you know, like that. But, you know, but anyway, Mark tells us, Mark chapter 4 tells us that, you know, that the fruit comes because of the word. Amen. How many want fruit? He said 30, 60, 100. Well, I like 100. How about you? I mean, 30 is pretty good when you think about it. If 30% of your prayers get answered, that's, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good. But the Bible says there's a possibility of 60. Then it says 100. I like, how many of we should shoot for the 100? Shoot, might as well go big, right? Shoot for the big thing. Amen. And so 30, 60, 100. So it's, it's, it's not, and listen now, I used to, in years ago, some of you, you, you know, you've been in the church a long time, been around the, the mountain a few times. You've ran, into, you've ran into the teaching, well, God determines whether we're 30, 60, or 100 fold believers. No, He doesn't. He said, if you, if you receive the word, right? If the word's sown on good ground, you hear the word, you receive it, you can bring forth fruit. God's not determining that. That's us. See, it's, it's how much are we willing to fight through, kind of like what Dustin was talking about, how much are we willing to fight through to see the promise of God come to pass in our life? How much persecution, affliction, cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, are we willing to fight through and keep it out of our life, keep it off of us so that we can see a hundredfold return in our life? However much we fight off is however percentage we're going to have. Amen? Now, look at... Um, we're going to look at some scripture tonight, all right? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
Glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, and verse, um, well, let's see, where we want, let's see where we want to go. Let's go to verse 16. The Bible says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? But we have, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Wow, that's powerful. You know, I remember when I was a baby Christian. I, I, I hadn't been saved, but a few weeks we had a prophet come to the church, and he pointed me out, and he said, you're going to have the mind of Christ. And I thought, man, look out, everybody. Then I read in the Bible, everybody's supposed to have it. I'm like, well, I wasn't such a big deal after all, was it? No, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I, I was the only one, you know, like I was special, and look out, everybody, I'm going to know more than you do. It, it just it kind of deflated me a little bit when I read that. I thought, well, wait, that's for everybody. Kind of let the air out of that prophetic word I got. Praise God. But, you know, God was just encouraging me as a baby. And, you know, keep going, son. Keep going. Amen. Because, you know, when you're young like that, the devil would love to get you back. You know what I'm saying? Because he ran some things to buy me to try to get me back and so forth and things. And, and you know, thank God for God's mercy and his goodness that kept me. Hallelujah. You know, because he fought it. He did. He fought it, you know. Now, so we can have the mind of Christ. Well, let me know, if you have the mind of Christ, you know, what, what, what gives you the mind of Christ? How many of the Word of God gives you the mind of Christ? How many of this book is the mind of Christ? Amen. This is really, really something, because if you, if you have the mind of Christ, how many know you can pray the mind of Christ? How many know it's, how many know it's better to have His mind than your mind? <laughs> Anybody would... Has anybody ever had a day when you'd like to, to be able to just, you know, screw your mind out of your head and put it somewhere else for a while? Am I the only one? Anybody else? Where you, you just felt like, man, my mind's not kind of squirrely today. You know, not that it was bad, but it was just, you know what I'm saying. It wanted to worry, be in fear, and those kind of things, different things. And so, but, but help me know that you and I, you and I can have the mind of Christ. We can have the mind by the word. So how many know it's better, it's better to have the it's better to pray his mind than it is your mind? Isn't that right? How many think because his word, the Bible says, is settled in forever in heaven. So if your prayer comes up there with the word in it, how many know it's settled? It's a done deal. See, see, how many know what he has to say is far more important than what we have to say? That's why you, 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 you know, this is something that you grow into. You, you learn to incorporate the scriptures into your, your prayer life. In other words, you, you check what you're saying, what you're praying by the word. Is this scriptural? Is this, is this in the word? Is this promised me? Amen. I mean, you can pray for God to do things, but if it's not his will, he's not going to do it. Isn't that right? You know, God, just make me a... You know, a, a, you know, this or that. So I, I, people sometimes in the ministry pray, well, God, make me a pastor. Well, if it's not his will, he, he can't, he's not going to answer that prayer because that's not his will for your life. Or make me a traveling minister. You know what I'm saying? Uh, make me an evangelist or make me this or make me that. How many know, if, he, if he didn't call you to that, you know, you can't pray that into existence. If he called you that, then you can pray about it and that prayer will enhance it. But you can't, you got to pray the mind of God, right? Amen. 
Now, there's some things we pray. We don't necessarily know what the will of God is, but we pray to find out the will of God. Well, that's, what, that's the value of learning to pray in other tongues because when you pray in other tongues, the Bible says, your spirit by the Holy Spirit within you prays. That's what the Amplified Bible says. So that means you're praying by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's good praying. How many know that? I mean, we can get a little bit of us mixed in it when we're praying. But, he, but the Holy Spirit doesn't mix you in, right? Doesn't the Bible say if we pray in an unknown tongue, our, our, our mind is unfruitful? Under, it actually, it says your, your understanding's unfruitful. And that hit me one day just, just reading that. My understanding's unfruitful. Well, everything I do, I do it by understanding. Everything. I, you know, I came here by understanding. understood how to get to the church. understood where it's at. Amen. I, I, I'm going to get home by understanding. I know how to get home. I know how to start the truck. I know how to put it in gear. I know how to, everything I do is by understanding. You get that? So if, if, if I'm praying... And I'm not using my understanding. i got to be using somebody's understanding. Because you can't do anything without understanding. You're using the Holy Spirit's understanding. Man, His understanding. Could you believe that His understanding is better than your understanding? Anybody believe that? Well, how many know? That, that's why the value of praying in tongues is one of the things the Bible teaches is that the Holy Spirit giving you the utterance. Well, He's not going to give you something that's out of the will of God. The Bible says He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It's the perfect prayer. Hallelujah. So if I don't know something about the will of God, I'll just pray about it in, in tongues. I'll pray about it with my understanding too. Don't misunderstand me. Um, but I'll pray about it in, in, in tongues a lot because I want to pray the perfect will of God. I want to pray it out. Hallelujah. And I've just learned if I just keep praying it out, if I keep doing that, I may not find out the first day. I may not find out the second day. I may not find out the third day, but eventually I'm going to find out. It's going to come up inside of me, and I'm going to know that I know that I know what the will of God is. And when you know that, praise God, it's good. Amen. So we need to learn, you know, to, to pray the mind of Christ. Look at Isaiah. I know we're looking at some scripture, but i got a couple more after this I want to look at, and we'll be done tonight. Isaiah chapter 43 I planned on going to all these pretty much, Isaiah 43, because I think they're important that we look at them. Isaiah 43. Amen. Thank God I have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. By God's word. Hallelujah. It hit me one day. You know, God said in Isaiah, I remember Isaiah chapter 55 where God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Anybody remember that scripture? My thoughts are not your thoughts. And he said, I sent my word, you know, and it'll prosper in the thing where until I sent it. And I got to thinking about that scripture one day. I thought, now, wait a minute. If I, the, if, if, if I put God's word in my mind, I'm thinking the thought that God thought. That's a good thought. I said, that's a good thought. You know, when you think thoughts that God thinks, how I many you know you're going to have a good life? That's why you have to renew your mind to begin thinking. Listen, you've got to begin to think in life according to the way God thinks about life, not by what you've been taught all your life. If you don't learn to do this, you'll never walk in the fullness of the blessing. You've got to learn to think in line with the way God thinks about life. God thinks different about all kinds of things than, than life does, than what, what you've been raised or what you've been taught. See, I've learned... You know, like in the financial area, God thinks if you give it away, you'll get, you'll get more. The world doesn't think that way. They think hoard it up, invest it. You know, and the Bible talks about investing, but it talks a lot more about giving. 
as being a way to prosperity. Amen. And so you have to begin to change and renew your mind the way God thinks about things. Amen. The way God thinks about divine health and divine healing, the way He thinks about it. God thinks different than the world thinks. The world thinks incurable. God doesn't think incurable. But you know, God has never said that's just incurable. Never. Why? He can cure anything. He never says there's no hope. Amen. He thinks different, right? You know, and you got to learn to think like he, like he thinks. You know, people think, well, well, there's many ways to heaven. Now, that's not the way he thinks about that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Well, that's pretty narrow-minded. Well, uh, you know what? You're pretty narrow-minded yourself if you, if you think about it because you know there's some things in this life that only work one way. Yeah. Amen. I mean, if you're so open-minded, why don't you quit buying, why don't you quit paying $3.50-some cents a gallon unless you go to Sam's for gasoline and just stick the garden hose in there and fill it full of water? Well, it won't work that way, Pastor. Well, of course it won't work that way because why? It was made to run on something different. And to think that God just like left this thing like, well, just pick a way, find a way, and you'll get saved. No, He's not that flippant. I said, He's not that flippant. People are messed up in their minds. Amen. No offense, but quit getting your spiritual advice from Oprah. Find somebody that knows the Bible. Well, that offended me. Well, hopefully it offends you to wake up to the truth that you're being lied to, misled. Amen. And there's even preachers that haven't got it totally figured out yet. I don't know what they're doing preaching. I ought to do something else. Praise God. Help me out, somebody. I'm serious about that. If you don't know how to get saved then what are you doing in the ministry? That's what we're supposed to do, man. Right? I, had a, I heard a church, a local, a church here in town on the radio one time, and they were saying, we would give $1,000 if anybody can tell us how to get in the body of Christ. I thought, if you're so stupid that you don't know how to get in the body of Christ, what are you doing on the radio preaching? The Bible says, by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. When we get born again, the spirit regenerates us and puts us in the body of Christ. If you don't know that, go do something else. Quit trying to tell people how to live their lives. You're going to mess them up. Find somebody that knows what the Word says. Is this good preaching or what? Find out what the Bible says. Amen. Well, it's just not like real nice and fluffy preaching like I like to hear. Well, we've heard too much fluff have some, <laughs> you know, I like some meat and taters sometimes. How about you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, maybe you don't like meat. That's okay. You're missing out, but praise God. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, some good ribs sometime, right? Pastor Jerry made some good ribs. He got the, the recipe from Dustin. That's why we say they're making them for the men. Praise God. Amen, Amen for our fellowship. Praise God. But they were good stuff. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? The Word of God, the Word of God doesn't just tickle your ears. It doesn't make you just feel good. It delivers you. Right. Right. Amen? Right. You have to know that. Well, I just like the preacher that, you know, he gets up there and says, everybody's okay and we're all good. Well, he's lying to you. Not everybody's okay. Right. Amen? Right. Now, in Isaiah 46, you know, you could be okay, but you might not be, and you need to know. I was, there was a time in my life I wasn't okay, and I didn't need some preacher telling me I was okay. I needed somebody to tell me, repent, and get right, or get left behind. Amen. Look at this in Isaiah 44, verse, excuse me, 43. 
<clears throat> How many times did I tell you 44? 46. 46. I said it 46 times? <laughs> All right, Isaiah 43, go there. <clears throat> Verse 26. We all got the address now? 40, get your GPS out. 4326. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So this is God saying, put me in remembrance. Now, how many is he forgetful? You think God's forgotten anything? Now, you know, I forget things sometimes, but I'm not God. But God doesn't forget anything. How many know that? Right? See, I forget things. Sometimes people tell me things and I forget it. I don't mean to. I just do. Maybe I'm supposed to make some kind of announcement here at church. I forget it. You know. Now, you know, I try not to forget big things. You know, like my wife's birthday. Our anniversary. You know, big things. Come on, work with me. Y'all looking so serious. But I, sometimes I forget things, you know. But God doesn't forget anything. How many know that? Right. He's not saying remind me because I might forget. That word remembrance is a covenant term. Right. And it means put me in remembrance of the covenant I've made with you. Mm-hmm. How many know, remember there was a time when God was going to, you know, when the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. How many know they taxed God's patience, didn't they? Right. They were full of unbelief, doubt, disobedience, sin. He'd done so much for them. I mean, he fed a manna from heaven, you know. You know, he... And, and, you know, they, they, they just end up despising it. He fed them quail. I mean, he delivered them from bondage. He made them wealthy. The Bible says they left with the silver and gold of Egypt. And Egypt was the wealthiest nation in the world at the time. And so he, he blessed them. He did all these things for them. But when a little thing went wrong or this went bad or something, they would murmur and complain. And they had it so good. Sometimes people don't know what they got until they leave it. How many know that? That's why you got to have a thankful heart. Because if you don't have a thankful heart, you'll sometimes get out of the will of God through murmuring and complaining. People get out of marriages. Well, you know, it just looks greener over here. Hey, man, let me just tell you something. You're going to find out it's just as bad over there. I've never understood that. I don't know why I said this before, but I've never understood why somebody would have an affair with somebody and then marry that person, and they were having an affair with you. If they had an affair against their spouse, how many, don't, you, don't you think they'll do the same thing to you? What is, what's with your thinking? Don't you want somebody faithful? I, I just never get, I've never understood that. I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? If they'll cheat on one spouse, they'll cheat on another one. You're always going to have to be looking over your shoulder wondering if they're cheating on you because you know they're cheaters. Now, people make mistakes, and God forgives, and maybe they messed up in their life and they got it straight. We understand that. But there's some people that are just messed up. Amen. Amen. And it's just good to just stay, praise God, where the, where the grass is really green, where God puts you. Hallelujah. Amen. Because people go, well, it's, you know, people will leave, their, they'll, they'll leave their, their church, they'll leave their job, they'll leave their city, thinking, well, I'm just bored, get, something's greener over here. And they get over there and find out they got the same thing. Amen. Now, God said this, and Isaiah there, he said, put me in remembrance. What is he saying? How many know when you put somebody in remembrance, what do you, what do, you do? You remind them what they said, right? If one of you said, you know, if one of you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out one day next week, and I'm going to let you 
go to the most expensive steakhouse you can find within uh, 300 miles of here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy you steak, Pastor. Well, I already know where I'm going. There's a place in Indianapolis I've been wanting to try out. Sometimes the steaks are 150 bucks. I tried to get Mark's brother to take him, but he wouldn't do it. But anyway, they were up there in India. I said, have your brother take you to St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Anybody ever heard of St. Elmo's? St. Elmo's, I've never been there. I don't know. But if the steaks are as good as they cost, then they're pretty good. So if you tell me that, if you tell me that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm liable to remind you. Now, I haven't done anything but tell you what you said. You said, that, and Andy's within 300 miles. And you said, the, anyone I wanted to go to, right? If you come up to me, you better mean it, right? How I many know God meant it when he said it, right? And he said, Pastor, you know, just go to any lot in town, buy any vehicle you want, any car. Let's just, just say car. We'll leave trucks out of it. Buy any car you want, and I'm going to pay for it. You better make sure you really mean that, right? Because I'm not going to the Yugo lot. I'm not. You'll find me over at either the, the Mercedes lot or the BMW lot. We're going to hurt your bank account. <laughs> because you said any car you want. Now, if you put parameters on it and said it can only cost like tw- no more than 12000 well, I'm not going over there because... I don't even know if I can get in the door for that, but, you know, how many of you follow what I'm saying? How many know God made some pretty ostentatious, big, bold promises to us? And he intends on keeping them. But he said, remind me of them. Put me in remembrance of them. Right? Thank God he keeps his word, right? He wasn't kidding when he said things in, his, in the word. Amen? Look at Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. Go there. Isaiah 62. Go there. Thank God for His Word. This is, this, is, this is rich here. In Isaiah 62, God said this, uh, verse, verse 6, go there, verse 6. God said, I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace. Day and night, you that make mention of the Lord keep not silence. Now, my cross-reference says this, where, it's, where the King James says, you that make mention of the Lord, my cross-reference says, are the Lord's remembrancers. In other words, you put, you put God in, in remembrance of His covenant. Right? How many know, I, w- I didn't finish my story. I'm going to read this next verse, but I want to finish that story I started about Moses. You know, Moses, God was so, about the children of Israel, Moses, was, Moses had to intercede for the children of Israel. They got, they got God so angry that He said, I'm going to destroy you all. Remember that? That's in, uh, that's in Exodus 32. He said, I'm going to destroy you all. And he told Moses, I'm going, to, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. That's what he said. But, but what did Moses do? Moses said, he, he reminded God of his covenant. This is Exodus 32, verse 13 and 14. He said this to him. He said, Lord, remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whom you swear to. See, you didn't say you'd make a great nation out of me. You said you'd make a great nation out of Abraham. Not me. And so he reminds God of his covenant. And the Bible says, now I'm not, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says God, the King James says God repented or he changed his mind. 
That's some strong stuff. <laughs> when you get God to change his mind. But that's what the Bible says. God repented. He changed his mind. He said, all right, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let him live. But, you know, now they didn't get in the promised land, but God let him live some more years because of Moses' intercession. What did he do? He put God in remembrance of what he said. You didn't promise to make a great nation from Moses. You promised to make a great nation from Abraham. And so, wow, that's rich. I said, that's rich. All right. Um, let's finish reading this out because this is good. Verse 7, go there, verse 7. He says, and give him no rest till he establish and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. That is so that is so good. God said, don't give me any rest about it either. Amen. You know the term we use, worry warton. You ever heard of that? How many know you got kids, you've, you've had that happen before, right? They want something, they keep bugging you and bugging you and bugging you. All right, to, trying to wear you down. Well, this is what God is saying here. He, he said, this, I, I said, the Lord said this. The Lord said this. Are you guys alive tonight? The Lord said this. He said, Put him in remembrance. He said, give me no rest. What does that mean? Just hold his word up before him. Lord, this is what your word says. Right? Not, not, of course, not in an arrogant way. How many of you know you're not going to get anywhere arrogant? But God, God's the one that told us to remind him of what he said. He's the one that said it. He's the one that said, you know, if, you know, if you ask anything according to my will, I'll do it. He's the one that said that. So, you know. You know, what do you do? What do you do between, like Dustin was talking about, between you prayed, the amen, and then there it is. Sometimes there can be a period of time, like you're talking about patience right there. What, what can you do during that time? Well, you just remind God what he said in his word. Lord, I just reminded you, here's what you said in your word. Thank you for it. Praise God. You said it. I've already asked for it. But just reminding you, praise God. I'm still believing for that. I'm still waiting on that. This is what your word says. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. We'll talk about Thanksgiving later on in one of these teachings, but that's important too. You know, but you just, you just remind him what he said. This is what you said. Lord, you said by your stripes I'm healed. You know, maybe it didn't manifest yet, but you just keep reminding him. And he, and he said, give me no rest until I do it. Isn't that something? Until it's established. Wow, that is so rich. I said, that is so rich that God would allow us to do that. Amen. Listen, I want to read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. And then we're going to go to one more scripture. Did you get anything tonight? Listen to the Amplified Bible. God said this, where, where the scriptures we just read. He said, I've set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, who shall never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants, and by your prayers put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silence. Give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise in the earth. Well, thank God that applies to us too in our prayer life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, let's close right here. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and uh, look at that if you have your Bible with you. Hebrews 11, and let, let's, let's, let's just look at this, and we'll close right here. Hebrews 11, got it? Verse 3 says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So everything in this world was framed by God's Word. Everything. Think about that. The Bible says He's upholding all things by the Word of His power. 
See, one of the things that believers have to be taught when they get born again is just how is the integrity of God's Word, how powerful it is, how trustworthy it is. And you've got to get this out of your mind. You never know what God's going to do. Yeah, well, He's already told us what He'll do, right? We may not know how He's going to do it, right? But we know what He's going to do because He said what He would do. He's not a liar, Right? Anybody that comes to him, he won't cast them out. There's nobody ever came to God and he said, I'm not going to save you. Why? Because he said he would. Never has happened. <laughs> one guy said, bless his heart. You know, people just, they don't know. But one guy said, you know, something about, he, he said he finally talked the Lord into the notion of saving him. <laughs> God was said the notion when he sent Jesus to the cross. <laughs> but he did. He said this. He really, he said, I finally talked God into the notion of saving me. <laughs> no, you didn't. You finally realized God would keep his word in that area, and you got saved. I got in the notion of saving me. Now, that sounds funny to us, doesn't it? But sometimes people think that about other things. That You know, maybe I can just, if I, you know, if I look bad enough, if I look sad enough, amen. Have you ever felt bad and you just wanted everybody to know about it? Or I'm the only one that's done something that dumb. You know, so you've got this sad look on your face. You, you just want somebody to say, what's wrong? <laughs> you obviously don't have relatives like I do. Because <clears throat> you're all looking like you don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I you know what I'm saying. How I many know that? God, God's not moved by that. Listen now. See, a lot of people think God is moved by need. If he's moved by need, there wouldn't be any needs. If that's what moved him, every need would be immediately filled. God's moved by faith. He's moved by his faith in his word. You know, he doesn't, he's not moved by need. He cares about your needs. He cares about, he has compassion. But that's not what moves him. Faith what moves him. Amen. Because there's a lot of needs God would like to meet. But he's, he's, got, he's got laws in his kingdom. One of the laws is the law of faith. Romans 3.27, Paul said we're saved by the law of faith. You don't believe, you won't receive. Amen. One guy one time came to Brother Hagin. He was just telling Brother Hagin. He said, he said, you know, he said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe and there's a heaven. I don't believe there's a hell. I want you to prove to me there is one. Brother Hagin said, I can't prove it to you. He said, you couldn't be saved anyway. He said, why not? He said, because you don't believe. Made the guy mad, he walked off. He came back the next night and it started the same thing. Brother Hagin gave him Hebrews eleven six that without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. And this guy told Brother Hagin, if I go to hell, it's your fault. <laughs> Little guy, he was fired up, man. He was, you know, he was, he, he was older, you know, and all, and, and knew, he, knew he needed to get right before he died, you know. So Brother Hagin said, well, you can't be saved because you don't believe. And without faith, it's possible he's God. No. So he said the next night he came back, you know, and he said he was a lot different this time. He said, well, I read that verse, Hebrews 11, 6, about faith. You can't, you can't be saved. You know, he said, he said, I'm ready to believe. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. But he had to choose to believe first. Amen. I mean, people like, well, can you prove to me there's a God? Open your eyes. How dumb do you have to believe that we had a bang and here's, here we are? That we came from the, what, from the goo to the zoo to you. 
How dumb do you got to be? If, if, if evolution is right, where are things that are evolving? There should be a monkey out there turning into a human somewhere. <laughs> it's like one monkey said to another monkey, man descended the other honorary uh, uh, cusp, but brother, he didn't descend from us. <laughs> like, well, I have nothing to do with you people. We don't abort our babies. Amen. <laughs> well, what's, what's the deal here? Well, listen, here's why I read this verse. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. How many know you need to frame your prayer life with the Word of God? The Bible says that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen? See, the Spirit has to have something to work with. And His sword is the Word of God. Amen? That, that scripture actually says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer. So it ties prayer to that. You go into your prayer room, you're, you're base your, you base your prayer not on how you felt, not, not, on, not on that, but base your prayer on the Word of God. God didn't hear you because you felt like He heard you. God heard you because you prayed according to His will. Right. And you may not feel anything. And I like feelings. Don't misunderstand me. But you've got to learn not to be led by that. Right. They change all the time. Right. All, throughout the day, your feelings change. So you can't be led by that. Right. Amen. Right. You've got to be led by something more concrete, something more found solid than that. And if we're going to have a bold faith, like First John talked about, that confidence, that bold faith, it's going to have to come from the Word. It can't come from your feelings because they're too fickle. They're not a solid foundation. Right. They shift and move all the time. Right. All the time, man. You can't, you know, man, look, you know, if you're, if, you may not understand this, but if you're in the ministry, you know, you have all kinds of feelings all through the year. I mean, you, you quit 35 times a year, probably more than that, because, you know, the devil, the devil, he, 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 he influences feelings. You can't pay attention to that. Amen. You know. So we got to go back to something concrete, something solid, the Word, the promises, find out what the Bible. I know this is something you know, but how many know we have to, we have to be reminded of it? So we're preaching on answered prayer, and this is part of it. Is Word-based. Is it Word-based? Hallelujah. Amen. A guy said this. This is my final story. I'm going to let you go. But a guy said this. He's talking about, he, he said, he told his wife this. It was a really dumb thing to tell your wife, but he did anyway. And uh, he said he'd been married for about two weeks, you know. And he said, I told my wife, it's a preacher. And preachers, you know, but he wasn't a preacher at the time, but he learned better. And he told his wife, he said, you know, he said, we've been married for two weeks. And, you know, I just don't feel married. I just don't feel married. He said it got real quiet. He said she was quiet the rest of the day. He said, at the end of the day, she, she said to me, called him by name, said, even, if, even though you don't feel married, act like it. Hello. I don't care what you feel like. There's paper at the courthouse says you are. I just don't feel married. Well, you are. And that's what she was saying to him. You better act it. I don't care what you feel like. Act what, act what reality is. I don't care what you feel like. The reality is what God said. Act that way. Hallelujah. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.